Welcome to the Digestible Dynamics Podcast, a podcast for the innovators from the experts. We know that you're busier than ever, and the last thing you need as a business applications innovator is a lengthy, drawn-out podcast where you walk away with the possibility of learning something new. Well, that's how the Digestible Dynamics Podcast is different. Each episode will contain one digestible tidbit about Dynamics 365 that you can immediately apply to your business. With the combined experience of three decades in the business application space, Dr. KJ and I understand that the power of technology is not about the features and functions, but rather the value it can bring to your business to help you transform and drive growth. That's why we'll focus on the most useful things that you need to know about the Dynamics 365 platform. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Digestible Dynamics Podcast, your number one source for snackable tidbits to help you maximize your Dynamics 365 experience. On this episode, we have the Deputy Chief Innovation Officer at ServiceNow to talk to us about innovation. But what is innovation? According to Copilot, innovation is the process of creating and introducing something new or different, such as a new idea, method, product, or design. While this definition is accurate, I wanted to tweak it a bit more and add some context. So I went ahead and used this prompt. How would you define innovation in the context of technology? Now here's what Copilot said. Technology innovation involves harnessing knowledge, expertise, and resources to develop innovative solutions that solve problems, improve efficiency, drive progress, and deliver value. Technology innovation can have various impacts such as improving the quality of life, fostering economic growth and competitiveness, enhancing efficiency and productivity, addressing societal challenges, fueling scientific and technological advancement, and empowering and engaging users. Now that's definitely a solid definition. But instead of reciting responses from Copilot, let's hear about how our guest, Kevin Barnard, thinks about innovation in his role. KJ is going to go ahead and introduce Kevin for all of us. Kevin is the Deputy Chief Innovation Officer of ServiceNow. In his role, Kevin drives thought leadership and innovation, communicates ServiceNow's vision and strategy, and helps customers and partners see the art of the possible, and shares how ServiceNow can help the world work better for everyone. Kevin prides himself on being a technology innovator and digital transformation catalyst. Prior to joining ServiceNow in 2017, Kevin spent 14 years in various technology leadership roles at General Electric Company. He started his professional life as a journalist before taking his interview and design skills to the IT world around the time of Y2K. He has worked in startups, e-commerce, and other web-based organizations. Kevin enjoys coaching and mentoring developing leaders. He is also a 200-hour certified yoga instructor. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Digestible Dynamics. Today, we have a very special guest, Kevin Barnard, ServiceNow's Deputy Chief Innovation Officer. Kevin, welcome to the show. It's my pleasure to be here, man. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure. Uh, anytime I can get to chat with you and the Microsoft team about everything that's going on in the world, I'm happy to do that. So I really appreciate the invite. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. With that, we're going to jump. Let's just jump right into the questions here. So what does a chief innovation officer do? (laughs) (laughs) A chief innovation officer has a great time. Um, It is it is easily the most enjoyable job I've ever had the privilege of doing. And it really is a privilege, you know, like that idea that this isn't something I have to do, but I get to do. 
that's really probably the most true of, of this gig of any I've had in my 20 plus IT career. Um, it's, it's a, the role is a, uh, we're, we are, I am a futurist, uh, a, a thought leader, um, a keynote speaker, author. Um, but I, I feel like what a chief innovation officer does more than anything else is inspires. Uh, and the reason for that is because I'm a firm believer that innovation is in the eye of the beholder. Um, you know, those of us who have been around for a while, we have a tendency to overthink things a little bit. And what is innovative to one person is, is motherhood and apple pie to the next. And so it really is meeting folks where they are, listening. I get to meet lots of people around the world in this job as well. And so that's what's the most exciting to me. It's always fresh. It's always something new. And it's a willingness to, to learn about things from a slightly different perspective to really expand um, our horizons about what is actually possible. No, I love that. So I would love to understand what inspires you in the technology realm in, in today's world? Um, I think it's the, in a sense, it's almost the unknown. Um, we, we, we kind of, prior to large language models coming around, we sort of had an idea of like what the future held. And we, we made certain assumptions and judgments based on that. We leaned into certain areas. It was like, AI and machine learning. Like we talked about it even differently nine months ago than we do today. And so I think for me, what's most exciting about right now is we don't know. You know, it's like, I think it was the end of Terminator 2 where Sarah Connor is finally saying like, I actually have no idea what's coming next. And I kind of feel like that's the way that we are in technology right now. It's like, mm -hmm. we think we know, but we have no idea. Uh, maybe it's an MTV diary, you know, snippet or something like that. But take, <laughs> your, take your analogy of choice. We just don't know. And in the sense of it is... The capabilities now give us the ability to do so much differently than what we had done before. So mm -hmm. from that is going to become new things we hadn't even considered as being possible before because that was just a non-starter. So right. yeah, I'm excited about the new technologies that are coming out. I'm also you know, pragmatically terrified of the new technologies that are coming out. We can have a whole conversation around the risks and securities around what is accessible these days, even what we know is right. accessible. Um, for me, it is obviously it's based on the ability for technology to finally augment our experiences in meaningful ways, right? We, we've been the, the promise of technology making things better has been around since the Jetsons. Mm -hmm. But really, you know, maybe we're not a flying cars just yet, but we're not driving them anymore. Right. Interesting. OK. And so we're, we're, we're moving there. We're getting there. Um, but it is the fact that it is so much of the unknown at this point. And that unknown can be intimidating, Kevin. And the analogy I think of, it's almost as if we're in this point in time with technology and AI, especially where you're in the middle of the ocean and you're in a rowboat and you can go any which way direction. So that said, how does an organization like ServiceNow drive innovation? And just out of curiosity, a second part to that, would what would you say Microsoft's role uh, has been in supporting that type of innovation in ServiceNow? Okay, so my brain just went about a thousand different directions. So you're going to have to come back to that in parts for me. But let me start. Sure. I'll kind of try and answer that for you. So, you know, the, the thing about the ocean as someone who grew up just outside of Boston on the beach, um, in a be one of those old beach towns, right, is that you very quickly learn to respect it as well, right? The power of the ocean the, and the power of the unknown can become very overwhelming. And, and I taught yoga for 10 years and people don't like getting out of their comfort zones. And so it's really interesting in a world where we are talking so much about technology and so much about what technology can do for us, 
we're actually, at least I'm finding in the conversations that I'm, at, I'm having with customers and partners, talking about human beings now more than ever, right? So this is a very much a human behavior conversation. If there's one thing the listeners can take away from this conversation, it's actually about the human side of it versus the technology side of it. That's how you're really mm. going to move the needle and get people to start thinking differently, be willing to take those chances, right? Um, and also kind of realizing to a certain extent that you're not the only one in the robot in the rowboat anymore. Right? We're all kind of in this extended robot trying to figure this out as we go. Um, the role that Microsoft plays in that conversation is huge, right? I mean, it is it is ubiquitous. It is a, truly an enterprise conversation, I would say. Like the platform almost doesn't even do Microsoft justice at this point, right? It is, there's so many different variables and vectors of what the brand brings to the conversation that it is a partnership that allows us to be introduced to folks that maybe ServiceNow hasn't historically been introduced to, that IT vendors, uh, never mind cloud providers, haven't been introduced to, right? Because Microsoft is an enterprise discussion as opposed to your different silos. One could argue SAP is a finance silo and Oracle's databases and ServiceNow is this, whereas Microsoft kind of transcends all those different areas, right? And so that is a great opportunity, right, to say, no, 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 these folks have that solution to the problem. Let's bring everybody together in what was the original idea of agile methodologies, right? Before it got bastardized as waterfall. <laughs> well, that's my out loud voice, wasn't it? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but that's a great point. I like how you were talking about you're not the only person in the rowboat. For the longest time, it felt when we talk about AI, it was this this special feature or this one particular person on the team who would have this technical know-how to play around with it, that actually would be the only person that understood it. I feel like now we're at this point where it's become de more democratized, where effectively anybody who's working in tech is going to interact with AI to some capacity. So being able to surface that, how do you kind of help inspire those to say, hey, look, this is a part of what we're doing today. Get creative. How do you kind of foster that creativity internally? The um, it, it's it is first is bringing in folks who you wouldn't have brought in historically, right? Gone are the days of I take the requirements and I hand it to somebody else. It's really let's get everyone together and talk about how this end to end process really works in simple human terms. I wrote an article a couple of years ago called the spouse test. We need to be able to communicate to our non IT friends and family the way that you know the way that we always do um, in in the civilian world. Um, so I think the first way is to just kind of bring down those walls and say, listen, we're all in this together. Tell me about what it is that you do. What is it about your part of this end-to-end -end process that's really interesting? What do I need to know about? People love to talk about themselves, right? So they want to share and, and grow and do things together, but also with this carrot of optimization, of efficiency, of, of, uh, of rigor, right? If you think about some of the regulatory burdens that folks are under, and a lot of those folks are living in analog land right now. So the, even just the promise of digitization and structured workflows and structured data is game-changing for those folks, right? So again, innovation in the eye of the beholder. So that to me is, is super interesting about how you do that. Um, and part of it, um, oh, I was just having a thought and it's going to escape me. Ah, it'll come back to me. But it, it is about making it the, the idea that everyone has a seat at the table now, right? And that really that we are merely stewards of their business transformation. We leverage technology to transform, but this is an evolution. It's a transformation. It is a journey without end. No, I love that. And you, you really said one thing that stood out to me. You said seat at the table, yeah. right? So in, in partnership, you have to have a seat at the table. 
how is ServiceNow, how is Microsoft, how are we partnering really to drive innovation, even though we're competitors, right, in that dynamic space? It's a very tough and very delicate situation, but how are we partnering together to move forward in, in a lot of things, AI, customer relationship management, and so forth? Yeah, I think you're going to see there are, there are some, um, some environments, some vendors, some products that will have more overlap than others. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, as someone who ran ServiceNow for a long time, back when I worked at GE, um, I did three different times, actually, right. um, you would work with different vendors, you'd work mm-hmm. with different suppliers. And then coming over to ServiceNow six years ago, also very quickly realizing that I don't get to dictate how someone's going to where they're going to invest in their in their environment. Yeah. So, I, you know, this, I, I I get that there there's there's Microsoft, but there are right. other hyperscalers that folks might choose from, and I'm not going to sit there and say which one we have to be ubiquitous and, and pl- all play together nicely. And to your point, that is then going to invite this coopetition sort of is- situation, mm-hmm. and really it is where can we play better together, and why would we play better together? We play better together because it's in service of the customer's outcome that they are trying to drive. It's not us trying to jockey for position and be the be all end all, because I think the other thing that we've realized over the past few years is there is no one be all end all platform for everything anymore, right? There are certain areas where someone does one piece really, really well. Another person does another piece really, really well. And the play is integration. The play is experience in service of the outcome that the customer is trying to drive. And so, yes, while there will be tribes within our organizations that that do very, very similar things, we can have a debate about that. There's also a lot more better together conversations to be had, right? So I kind of get into this idea of CRM versus CSM, right? right? Mm-hmm. The relationship, the pursuit, the, mm-hmm. the opening and closing and the closures of things, but then the servicing of that relationship, very different. Right. They're kind of two different conversations. Yeah. And so- I'm not saying which is you, we, our audience can decide who I'm talking about here, but like one does CRM really, really well, and one does CSM really, really well. Yeah. And so that to me, if we're centering the customer and the customer's customer in the conversation, everything else kind of, you kind of figure out where your lanes are by definition, right? So I don't know, man. I mean, I think that we've, we should have realized at some point in the past few years that the addressable market is big enough for everybody. And, and there are way more important things that we can focus on right. that are drama free and, and really exciting and interesting mm-hmm. than trying to get some little sliver of something that we're not going to remember in nine months. Right. We're friends. We're going to make it happen. One way or another, happen, you're right? going to make money. I'm going to make money. So... Everyone's making money. That's the thing, right? <laughs> That's so it's it like, this is not it. like, this is, it is not a, a conversation of diminishing returns. It truly is a better together, all boats rise story. There's enough for everybody here. So I got a tough follow-up for you, though. Hit me. So with being having that seat at the table, how do you really balance security and governance in innovation, right? Uh, well, as, as someone who ran ServiceNow for what was at the time a too-big-to-fail bank, mm-hmm. who literally sat across the table from regulators from the Fed in New York City, right? who could shut us down... <laughs> And if those in the audience ever heard the term fiduciary responsibility, you know how important what comes out of your mouth actually means. Um, I would argue that it's not about how do you balance it, but it is actually ingrained in everything you do. Yes, It's GRC by design. It is governance by design. It is baked into everything that you do, not an yes. after, you know, afterthought 
or an add-on, it has to be part of everything that you do. Why? Well, for one, if you think about it in the sense of concentric circles, as you get further and further out into governance, well, what does mm -hmm. that do? It gets you higher and higher up the corporate ladder as well. It gets you into a CRO conversation. It gets you into a CSO conversation, a CISO conversation, mm -hmm. and a chief operating officer, really, if we're talking about you know factory floors and manufacturing facilities and things of that nature. So if you're baking in your governance models by design, if you're bringing in the folks who live in the chief risk organization right out of the gate, think about how much more productive the end product is going to be that you come with. So to me, it's not a balancing thing. I don't, I'm not afraid of governance. What I'm afraid of is trying to govern tomorrow's models the way I governed yesterday's models. That makes That's sense. where people get into the trap. Yes. Mm. That is a, a really good idea. And I think people tend to, at least for customers that I've spoken to, they see the idea that, for example, with Power Platform, when you allow people to become so innovative, the fear is, uh-oh, data might go in the wrong direction, which is completely fair. And I, I totally get that. One thing, though, with Microsoft is we're not going to allow people access to data that they already don't have. And that holds true, especially with Copilot. Copilot isn't going to be a way to usurp your security roles. It's not going, ooh, I want to know what my manager's salary is, for example. You don't even have access to that information in the first place, so Copilot would never grant you that data. Mm -hmm. So uh, when we think about it, I, I wanted to ask you one last question. How can ServiceNow and Microsoft partner uh, to drive innovation in the CRM space? I, I'd love to kind of understand how you think about not only with ServiceNow innovation, but when you partner with an organization like Microsoft. The one thing before I forget, it, on, the, on the governance piece of things, it's governance model and operating model, right? So, so KJ, back to your point about seats at the table, your right. operating model also, also has to change who's involved in the conversation in addition to governance. So I just want to make sure I didn't leave that left out for the audience because it is only half the story and it's a really important one. Um, where Microsoft and ServiceNow can partner, I'm so glad you mentioned the point about data and customer data, right? We both live in that land, ServiceNow. We've made sure that we secure our customers' data. It cannot transit outside of the walls. You guys, same situation, whether we're talking about Azure or any of the other parameters that are customer-facing data. Uh, PII is obviously top of mind for everybody, and people are really, really nervous that if we're, you know, so if we, you know, if we, if, if we punch out from ServiceNow mm -hmm. to OpenAI, what does that mean for the data going back and forth? And those are really important questions that need to be answered. Mm -hmm. But we're all coming at this from the fundamental principle of your data is your data, and we will all figure that out together. So I think there's that piece there where, where Microsoft and ServiceNow can join hands and say, we are, we have these fundamental principles that we agree upon as far as your data is concerned and how we want to support you in the goals you want to achieve. Point number one, right? So there's trust baked into the conversation from the very beginning. The second is let's make sure we have the right tools for the job, right? Don't try to take a workflow platform and figure out how to rewrite an email system, for example, right? Just hypothetically speaking, or don't take, you know, a, a, a creator workflow capability and try and rebuild the ITSM solution, right? Like the, that ship has sailed. Let's focus on what is differentiating to the organization. So where ServiceNow and Microsoft, I think is the best place for us to partner is figure out for our mutual customers, how can our combined energy help the customer, the mutual mm -hmm. customer move their needle forward, right? So that's the piece Makes there. Sense. What are the capabilities from both of our systems that they themselves have self-identified mm -hmm. as being, they think the solution to the problem that they're trying to solve and let's listen to them and work together with that problem. 
right? Where I think IT people tend to get wrapped around the axle is we think we like, oh yeah, you're talking and you think you know what you're saying, but I'm going to tell right. you what really is going on. Right. I know it's best. And it's, it's customers are so exhausted by that because they feel sold to, right? right? And we want them to feel heard right? This is an empathy conversation. This is a listening conversation. Again, mm -hmm. it's a better together. So if we meet them where they are, innovation in the eye of the beholder, listen to the problem that they're trying to solve and solve the damn problem that they said they're trying to solve and not something else, because I know none of us have ever done that before. Um, that's going to actually gain traction. Right. And we're back to credibility and trust and really moving this whole conversation forward, right? 100%. So I think that um, for me, you know, it's early enough in the year here. It's, it's January now. Um, I don't want to spend 2024 arguing about who should be doing what. Like it's we're working together to solve whatever the problem is that they're trying, the customer is trying to solve. That is a fantastic nugget there where you can't innovate a problem and solve a problem if you don't even know what the problem is. So bringing empathy to the customer partnership, I think, is is something that I took away from this. Well, Kevin, not only do you have a fantastic first name, I may be biased, but you know, who's counting? I'm pretty proud this of was a <laughs> At least it's not Kenneth. <laughs> exactly. I need, I don't a, think I need a nickname. Got the memo. Don't call me Kenneth. Call me. Yeah. <laughs> KJ, I could do this stuff all day long, man. I love all it. All day. I love it. I love it. I love it too. Uh, I, you talked a lot about how innovation can be driven and things to think about. So when our listeners hear this, I think that it can help guide them in that direction of, hey, I have access to a powerful technology. How can I innovate within my organization and what's the best practices to think about? So, Kevin, thank you for being a fantastic guest on the show. We'll have to have you back on. Thank you so much. Please do, guys. It went by way too fast. Let's do this again. Thank you for tuning in to Digestible Dynamics Podcast a show for you, the innovators, with content directly from the experts. While we only cover one tidbit of Dynamics 365 per episode, if you want to learn more, head over to our LinkedIn page by searching for Digestible Dynamics on LinkedIn so that we can guide you to the right resource to help you maximize your Dynamics 365 experience. If you have any other questions, email your host, KJ and KG, at digestibledynamics at microsoft.com. Until next time, folks.